So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Manson, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. It's been a hell of a day. You can see that. For 12 years, I worked for some very dangerous people. Everybody get to the basement. What is happening? Don't call 911. I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. But I left it behind to start a family. I might have, uh overcorrected when you left you've abandoned a certain debt that needs repayment and your creditor is aware of your resurrection they came after my family they stole my kitty cat bracelet and you don't fucking do that Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet! You look like shit, Dad. You should see the other guys. Who the fuck are you? Me? I'm nobody. Theaters only, February 26th. I'm going to watch 30 movies, a movie each day in June. Day 17 of year 8 of movie month, and the podcast will start soon. He's going to watch 30 movies, some good films and some lowbrow. Year 8 of fans, not experts, movie. And the podcast starts right now. Year eight, year eight of movie month. That much you already know. Year eight, year eight.
it's a Thursday, only had to work half day, spent my time off watching a great movie, I say, please excuse me, but I'm sure you knew, I'm watching movies every day in June, it's out of June 1st when I watch Bill and Ted 3, and today I watch that movie nobody that's right it's movie 17 17 bob odenkirk unlike you've ever seen it's movie 17 17 thought it was a perfect day to watch nobody Sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are Hello friends, welcome to day 17 of Movie Month. I had a half day at work today. I feel like a little kid talking about school. I had a half day at work today. I have no work tomorrow, no work on Monday or Tuesday. I'm talking about a five-day weekend. But um, we know what that means. That means I'm actually doing something with my wife. On Monday, we're going away for the night uh, and coming back on Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see how I put together uh, the movies for those days. But God damn it, they're going to happen. It's probably going to be early, early, early Monday morning. And then when we get home Tuesday, that's how I think I will uh, fit everything in. Because uh, I do it for the love. I do it for the passion. And today, I very much enjoyed the movie I watched from 2021. Uh, fairly new, just came out in the theater and on demand a couple months ago, I'm talking about the Bob Odenkirk starring, yes, the Bob Odenkirk starring Nobody. I um, was interested in this movie right away. It had a John Wick feel to it and makes sense because it's written by uh, the guy who, I don't know if he wrote all of them or one of the writers, Derek Kahlstad, uh, and he, he did all the John Wick movies and directed by Iyana Schuller, who I do not know, but he directed um, Hardcore Henry, which is a movie that I've had on my radar for movie month for some time now. It just hasn't uh, hasn't happened. But here we are today talking about the Bob Odenkirk starring action movie. Like what? I've been a fan of Bob Odenkirk for decades. I'm talking going back to the Ben Stiller show. Uh, then, of course, Mr. Show. And then, you know, just seeing him pop up here and there, I'd always be like, oh, Bob Odenkirk is the best. Um, why don't people know that? That's how I felt. And I remember he did a movie. He did the the Mr. Show movie, uh, Run, Ronnie, Run, who that I have on DVD somewhere that is hilarious 
but they themselves like people don't like this. I guess this movie doesn't have great reviews. Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, who did the movie, don't even really like it. I like how it came out, but there it is. There's so many hilarious moments in this dumb. It's like a movie of skits, really. Uh, that you know, it's it's kind of because that's what Bob Odenkirk came from the world of skit, you know, sketch comedy. Uh, they even him and it, the show was called Mr. Show with Bob and David, and then they had a Netflix special called with Bob and David. They did more sketches. That was only a few years old, but of course, Bob Odenkirk came to the, like came to be, you know, a bigger star with, uh, with breaking bad. And then of course, after that, you think they're going to take that Saul Goodman character and give us his own show. And, and better call Saul is almost as good. If, you know, I don't want to say it's better. Breaking bad is one of the greatest shows ever, but uh, Better Call Saul is so friggin' good, and it's it's obviously you know it's the it's the the creators. Um, I, I can't think of the guy's name right now who 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 does who did both shows, but um, you know, but it all also has to do with the greatness that is Bob Odenkirk. And when I heard that he's doing like a a kind of an action movie, okay, awesome. I heard him on he was on Howard Stern a couple months ago promoting the movie. And he talked about how it kind of was inspired, like, I, I, he didn't write it, but I think he had something to do with the creation of it, because it was inspired by something that actually happened to him. His, he, his house was broken into with his family there, and he, you know, it was, like, very scary, and he couldn't do anything about it, and he just, it kind of, the germ of the idea came from there. So what is this about? Well, it's about a regular guy who we think is a regular guy, he's a regular schlub. Who's uh, you know just kind of living life? Got two kids who don't really you know the older son kind of you know eh, dad's just uh, a dad you know, they don't really care about him. The younger daughter still you know looks up to him and loves him, and the wife and him are just kind of distant. They just kind of do their thing. And one night someone breaks into their house. He they have a gun, but they don't shoot anybody. Uh, his his son tries to do something, and he's like, "Let them go, let them go." And his son gets punched. They get some things stolen, and the kids just kind of like, "What the hell?" They, the you know, he he loses some respect for his dad. Thinks his dad's a wuss, a wimp. And Bob Odenkirk like leaves, and um, you know, kind of he oh he sees a tattoo on one of the rob one of the thieves, the burglars, whatever you want to call them, the robbers. And right away, you know what the Bob Odenkirk is more than he um, he claims to be or he seems to be, because that's the premise of the movie. Like we go in with that idea, uh, and you know he we see he sees the tattoo. We see that he doesn't take a swing at these people. He could have taken a swing with a golf club, and he doesn't. And um, we also see that he just kind of he's stewing. And like the police are like, you know, geez, uh, I've, uh, I, if that was my family and then he has a jerk neighbor is like, oh, too bad he didn't choose my house. I would have given the old pow, pow, wham, 23 skidoo. I'd made that part up. Uh, but he's like, all right, I need to, he needs to like blow off some steam or whatever. He needs to get to the bottom of things. He, they find out that his daughter's uh, bracelet, his little kitty cat bracelet was stolen. And that was kind of like the, almost the final straw. The one... The one person in the family who still like looks up to him uh, is, you know, missing her kitty cat bracelet, and that just kind of made him snap a little bit. He, while this is going on, we also meet his father-in-law, his brother-in-law's father-in-law, Michael Ironside, who got old, and his brother-in-law, who's kind of like uh, kind of a prick, 
and they all work together. He works in the family business, just kind of, you know, pencil pushing, getting through life. He does. He would like to buy the business from them, uh, but he, he didn't make the, the offer that he gave the dad wasn't good enough. But he's like, you know, I just want to have something that's myself. That's my own. Um, but anyway, he starts looking around for uh, any he goes from tattoo shop to tattoo shop looking for anyone who has any knows anything about this specific tattoo. And he goes to one place. And, oh, first he goes to his dad's. He goes, I got to go do something. He goes into his dad's Christopher Lloyd. He goes into his dad's room and um, he says, uh, um, you know, dad, I got to go do something. So he goes into his dad's closet, pulls out an old FBI badge, a gun and some money. And his dad's like, all right, do what you got to do. Like, you know, there's a history there. And he, um, I don't know. I'm trying to put the in order if I got it right. He goes to, um, I think his, he's, he's in his office before he goes out, you know, with the tattoos, he's in his office and he has this special radio that he, he can do two way communication on it. And on the other end is a guy, uh, who I'm, I saw that Riza was in the movie. I don't know Riza except for, I know the name and I think he's a Wu-Tang Clan guy, you know, a hip hop. Rapper, I, I sound, I've never sounded whiter than when I say rapper. He's a rapper. He does rap. He sing. he's a rap singer. He likes to sing rap. Um, but it's him on the other end. And when he goes and visits his dad, we see a picture of, uh, or maybe he, oh, the dad says, you know, remember who you used to be. We see a younger picture of Christopher Lloyd with two boys, one, one white kid, one black kid. And I start to think, I start to make the connection that, this guy is, you know, Christopher Lloyd raised both these kids. It's his son and his stepson or his son from another wife. So they're, they're brothers in some sense. Stepbrothers, half-brothers, I don't know. But he's just a voice for about 90% of this movie uh, who, who is kind of what, whatever world that, um, that uh, Bob Odenkirk was in. Uh, Rizzo was in it too, or is in it. And Christopher Lloyd seems to be in it too. And he goes to the uh, tattoo shop with the FBI badge. And one guy goes, that FBI badge is 20 years old. Who the hell are you really? And he's like, listen, he, he says, he pulls out this money and these tough guys get behind him. And the tattoo guy's like, who the hell are you? He goes, you know, pulling out that cheese. He calls it the money. He's like, there are three people who, um, you talk about cheese or whatever. It's the people who, know too much, who need too much. And then there's the people who I, who I wish would try to take this money from me. And he, it shows a little bit of a tattoo. And one guy sees that tattoo and he's like, oh, oh, he knows exactly what it is. He's like, thank you for your service. And he locks himself away. And the other guys just back off and they tell him exactly what he needs to know, who took, what the tattoo is. Turns out the tattoo has nothing to do with the rest of this movie. It's a husband and wife. They have a young kid and I I think the young kid had an oxygen mask. I, I think that's what I saw. So it seems like they have a sick kid and they were just trying to, it looks like they were just robbing someone to try to get money because they're poor and they took the, the, the thief, the thievery way. So, um, he goes to get them, gets his watch back that they took pistol whips the dad a little bit, but notice they have a kid and he's just like, ah, oh, shit. And he just leaves. He, he doesn't hurt them. Doesn't do anything. He's like, just, he, he basically just wanted to get the bracelet back. They didn't have and get the, um, get the, the watch back that they did have. 
Um, he goes home on a bus and it's just like while the bus is stopped, we see this car kind of with drunk, a bunch of drunk guys in it. Uh, and they're like, oh, let's get on the bus. So the rest of this movie is because of this just moment of happenstance. It's just wrong place, wrong time. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is on the, the bus, and he actually says, please get on the bus. Please get on the bus. And you start to realize that he's not a guy anymore looking to avoid confrontation. He, you know, he was talking to Riza over the radio saying, you know, these people were just young he goes, they were, they had a gun on me and it wasn't even loaded. Like he could tell that the gun wasn't even loaded. That's why he didn't attack these people. He's a professional with training. We, we, we start to gauge that. And I think this is like a world of assassins like John Wick. You know, later we see he has all these gold bricks. So he's been, he's been dealing with a lot of people and a lot of shit. He said he works for, later on he does say he works for the three letter, those three letter organizations whether it's the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, that doesn't say, maybe it's all of them. Um, and we come to find out, well, first he's on the bus with these guys and it's a great scene because there's no music. It's just raw, like really well choreographed fighting. Like these guys come up and they're just drunk and, um, you know, they're like harassing. They, they kind of mess with one guy who gets off the bus harassing, uh, this woman, this young woman. So Bob Odenkirk slowly walks past them, goes to the front of the bus, tells the bus driver, ushers her off the bus, closes the bus door, turns around and goes, fellas, I'm going to F you up. <laughs> this is Bob Odenkirk saying this. And then they have this vicious fight where he gets his ass kicked, but he but he, he kicks their ass more. He keeps He's able to get up and keep going, keep going. He, he um, gets thrown out of the bus, goes back into the bus, you know, starts fighting some more, some more. He, he breaks one guy's arm, brushes some guy's teeth, uh, breaks her nose. Another guy, he, like, who tries to shoot him, he ends up getting him in the neck and, uh, with a pole and like, crushing his windpipe. He, then he uses a knife to do a um, – I can use a pocket knife to uh, – a pen knife to create an emergency uh, tracheotomy. I always think of Tackleberry. Um, so he uh, – if my brother's listening, you know what I'm talking about. The tracheotomy, he actually does it. He cuts a little hole, puts a straw in so this guy can breathe. But they go, um, it turns out that this guy is a Russian connected to a guy in the Russian mob, a guy who is this eccentric, uh, like club owner who also basically what he does is he helps launder all this money and hold all this money for the big Russian players. Uh, he looks a little like he's having fun. He drinks, he, he, he snorts, he sings, he sings karaoke, he's dancing. And one guy's like, you know, I, I feel a little... Uh, you know, um, I'm not quite uh, confident putting putting all our money here. And one guy, when this when this Russian guy walks by, give him a, an evil eye, and he goes, "No." He walks over to the guy who gave him the the bad, the, you know, just gave him a dirty look. Takes a, a a glass, smashes it, smashes it into this guy's face, drags it all over his face, slits his throat, and then he goes, "Do you believe? Are you confident in me now?" And they're like, "Do you know who that was? He had three percent of this." And they're like, now there's more for us. Zavanya. So this dude is a really crazy bad dude. And then he gets word that his brother's in the hospital. Turns out his brother dies, doesn't make it. He talks to the other guys in the hospital who um, they're like, so one guy did this. Like, one guy? Yeah, he, he beat us up. And they, excuse me, they, um, one of them grabbed his, his train ticket. And they were able to use that to track who owns the train ticket, which I guess is possible. I guess what you could do is you could track where it's used every day. 
uh, and try to figure it out from there. Because I'm thinking, like, when I buy a train ticket, well, no, I do buy it with a debit card, though. It's been a while. It's been a long while since I've had to buy a train ticket or use a train. Uh, back when I would go to work in Boston. So it was uh, um, the words, words that I'm thinking. Um, what am I saying here? So, yeah, they, they track him with the train and they're able to find out that his dad's in a nursing home. So I'm like, oh, oh Christopher Lloyd's in trouble. Now, uh, what they also do is send people to his house and they go to attack in the family. He, he sees his family, he goes, family, get in the basement. Time to get in the basement. He locks them in with this like steel door. He goes, I love you. And he goes to town on these guys. Goes crazy on them, beating the crap out of all of them, killing a bunch of them. Uh, but one guy zaps him, gets him in a in a taser, throws him in the trunk of a car. Guess what? He still gets away from them. He's able to break his wrist, take off handcuffs, find a fire extinguisher, pops it open, you know, sprays it into the back seat of the car because he's able to pop the back seat. The car crashes. Uh, the, everyone inside dies, and he gets away. And he starts to explain people. Who he, you know, he, he gives a little like explanation of who he was. He worked for the, he used to work for the three as an auditor, quote unquote, for the, you know, those three number, those three lettered uh, organizations. And then he goes home, oh, excuse me, and he's in communication again with, with Riza, who's like, you need to go see the barber. He goes to the barber, who is this actor that I've seen a bunch of things. He was like the stepdad on, on Arrow, this British fella, who, Again, makes me gives me that feeling of this is a much bigger world, you know, with that John Wick feeling. And I think there was at one point, a, like there were talks of tying these movies together, which you could easily do. Um, and he knows everything about this guy, this Russian guy, and he gives the information to Bob Odenkirk so that he has everything. He knows everything about him. And now this guy went after Bob Odenkirk's family. He goes back to his house. His, his family, he's like, okay, family, you need to leave. He sneaks them out of the house so they don't see all the bodies. Some of these guys are still alive. His, he tells his wife, he goes, you know, I, I love you. Can you trust me uh, just, just to get through this? You know, my life before, you know, you, this is kind of what that was. And she's like, you know, come back to me. We'll figure it out then. They leave. He goes downstairs in the basement and he, he took the four guys who are still alive, sticks them on the couch. And they're like barely breathing. And he's like uh, explaining to them who he is, you know, kind of that he or that he saw he went to go kill a guy. Basically, he was an assassin and he's an auditor there. He was the last ones that you wanted to see when you couldn't be arrested. They sent him in. Um, but there was one guy that that he listened to and was crying and he followed and he said he was going to go the straight and narrow. He followed up on the guy and saw that he had a wife and a family now. And he was, you know, on the up and up. And that kind of made him jealous, which is what turned him into what he became. This guy who just had a wife and family. He's like, I thought I could do it. I thought I could live the straight life for a while. You know, and I did. I did it pretty good for a while. Um, and then he looks over and all the guys are dead. He takes out a certain record and he says, you know, the uh, human bones uh, melt at or turn to ash at 1300 degrees or something like that. And he says, I've... I designed this basement to withstand that heat. So he puts a record on the record player and it's like a special record. When this record hits that, that needle, it sparks the perfect fire. That's probably untraceable. The whole house burns down. He walks out of his house, is ready to get in his car. 
while the house is burning down. And then he looks over at that jerk neighbor earlier who was like, ah, I would have given him the old punch even though, again, I made that part up, what he said. That guy had a really nice muscle car that he's like, oh, my dad died. At least I got this out of it. It's really, ah, you know, he's like just a jerk. So he goes over, smashes that car and takes that car for himself. Uh, he drives that to the Russians club. Oh, no, first he drives that to uh, the his work and he takes all these gold bricks out. He gives it to Michael Ironside. He goes, I'm buying the business from you. This is what I'm, this is my offer. He's like, we'll take it. And the brother's like, brother-in-law is like, no. And he goes to take a swing and Bob Hooker punches him right in the stomach. And he's like, but what about me? What am I going to do? And Bob's like, I don't care. Um, they leave and he starts home aloneing the place up, building all these booby traps, all these things. And my thought is, how do they know, how do they know to go here? Are they going to follow me here? How does he know they're going to go there? And I know that the reason is because he lures them there. So now he goes to the club where this guy has all his stuff. And, and uh, this is just, it's just like, it's like you're watching a superhero. That's what it feels like. You're watching a superhero do all these things to all these bad people and you love it because it's like, I wish that I had the balls and the ability to do something like that. He he goes into the club and just with just by himself kills everybody, uh, puts puts gasoline in the sprinkler system, runs the sprinkler over all the mafia money, the, the Russian mafia money, then lights it on fire, burns all of it. I don't know if that's at a separate place. Then he goes to the club, and he's in the 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 crazy club owner's on stage singing karaoke, and he looks down. And there's Bob Odenkirk eating dinner right in the middle of the of the floor, just kind of enjoying himself. All these guys surround him. He pulls a, a napkin away, and he shows that he has a, a IED. It looks like a landmine or some kind of explosive hooked up to his thumb. And he's like uh, explaining to him, "Listen, why don't we just walk away? It's over. We don't need to deal with this. You, I heard you wanted to get out." I don't want to deal with this. You came at my family. He's like, you killed my brother. He goes, look, I didn't know. He was alive when I left him. He was kind of an asshole. So I, I you know, what do you want? Uh, but you came to my house, to my family, and you don't do that. Um, he's like, why don't we just walk away? I'll go my way. You'll go your way. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. He walks out holding the bomb. So they let him go to his car. Then he sits in the car and waits and crosses his fingers. This was awesome. And the guy, they run out. He's like, yes. You could realize he didn't want them to walk away. He wanted them. He wanted to provoke them. He wanted to them to come after him because he's like, now I get to really have fun. He gets to, um, now while this is happening, they send people to, to Christopher Lloyd's house. They send two assassins to go kill him. Guess what? Bob Unker called them, called them early and says, just be ready. Things might be, keep it your head in a swivel. He has a couple of shotguns. He, he he's his old man. He's in his eighties. He takes these frigging guys out, um, and then Bob Odenkirk. You know now there's a car chase. The car they get all the way back to his work. So he followed him to. They followed him to his work. That's all set up for booby trap. He gets shot, and then all of a sudden those guys are getting shot, and we find Riz is there. He's like, you really didn't think I was gonna. I wasn't gonna help you. And he's got a sniper rifle. And then, boom, Christopher Lloyd pops out. He's like, hey, son. And uh, it's just like, what? And he's got shotguns. And it's just like, it's like gun porn. It's like just action. Just like, it looks like these guys just having fun shooting things. Uh, and then just all kinds of violence ensues. Um, you know, they have all these booby traps, all these grenades here, um, rybar, you know, like metal poles just Go shooting into guys, uh, uh, explosives, everything all over the place. And they they uh, take out everybody except the main guy who shoots Riz up, 
don't worry, he's okay. Uh, in the shoulder, they get down, and the Russian guy's like, "I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to kill everybody that you, you know, that you did this. You, they, uh, everyone that you care about." And he's like, "Hey, we all got to die sometime. So, some of us sooner than later." He grabs this giant plastic, sh- like pl- plexiglass shield, uh, tapes the the bomb to it, and the and the string on the other side runs straight at the guy, pulls the string, and they collide. The bomb goes off. This guy explodes and dies. Bob Odenkirk flies back and lives. All the bad guys are dead, uh, and the and the police sirens going as the siren is going. Uh, he, he says to Rizzo and his dad, you, you guys got to get out of here. Thanks. I'll see you guys later. Uh, the cops arrive and he calls his wife to make sure, tell her he's okay. He finds a cat. And I just remember that all the way at the beginning, it starts with him in handcuffs uh, with a cat in his arms uh, with, with tuna fish and a can opener. And he starts opening the can for the cat. And he's sitting like at an interrogation and the um, these two cops are like, who the hell are you? He goes, me? Um, and then, boom, it says the word nobody because that's the name of the movie. We cut back to the end and it's, the, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if he was telling his tale or what, whatever it was. But uh, we cut back to him back in that interrogation. So they go, so who the hell are you? He goes, I'm nobody. He goes, that's a, that's a pretty convenient answer. He's like, well, what do you want? I don't know what you want me to tell you. And then the phone, both their phones ring, and they they don't say anything. They just uh huh. Now what is it? And they look at him, and it's you could tell that it's whatever it is. It's the it's the government basically saying you got to let him go. He's free man. And then we see three months later, he bought a really nice house, probably saved some gold bricks for himself. Uh, he's got his wife there, and they're looking around. And then the realtor is getting phone calls, um, and the realtor's like, "It's for you," and it says unknown number. And he he looks at it. He goes, uh huh, okay, uh huh. He goes, and then he puts it down. He says to the woman, "Let me ask you, does this house does this house have a?" Um, and the wife says, "A basement." And the movie ends. Why does it need a basement for protection? Why? Because he's back in the game. That's what it made it seem like. That phone call makes it seem like he's still in the game, or still someone's coming after him. It's not over yet. Uh, and they basically left it open for either this is his life going forward, or we could see nobody again in the future. Now in the credits, it did show that um, Christopher Lloyd and uh, Riza and uh, Bob Odenkirk all had the same last name. So they are family. So I thought that was an awesome little touch. Uh, and Bob Odenkirk is just so genuine and so like every man and so likable. And then you see him kicking ass and, it's, and they do it in such a believable way. This movie was so much fun. Um, the kinetic energy of the fighting is very reminiscent of that John Wick style where it's just like here it is we're going to get close up you're going to just see like I'm going to use this blanket and I'm going to punch you in the face with this blanket and the pillow and then this and that and just if if it's there you know I'm going to use it like the resourcefulness of things and then of course so many bullets just so so many bullets he, Bob Odenkirk made a thing where he put bullets on a um, on, on mouse traps and then when mouse traps snap the bullet went off and he shot all these guys I mean it was it was like, as I said, Kevin, um, Kevin, you know, little Kevin. I want to say Kevin Arnold, but that's growing. That's not growing pains. Jesus Christ. That's, that's, um, that's the um, Seavers. Kevin Arnold is Wonder Years. But whoever Kevin is from, uh, from, from Home Alone, he would be uh, very uh, jealous of what Bob Odenkirk put together. 
and that's it. That's nobody right there. High recommend. Really, really worth uh, renting. Really worth seeing. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I was able to do that. Um, I'm glad I, I. I'm glad I saw it. I've been meaning, meaning to see it for a while. Uh, it, you know, it took me 17 days. Um, you keep waiting. I kept waiting. Like, will the price come down? Will the price come? Down? I'm like, you know what? I don't want to wait anymore. I'm watching it today. Um, so again, I'm going to watch this director going forward. See what else he's done. I am going to go back at one point, at some point, and watch Hardcore Henry. Who knows? Maybe if this is past June, you already know that I've already watched it this year. I don't know, but um, I will say that this movie was a a lot of fun. Even if it's like, well, if he wasn't at that bus, none of this would have happened. Well, you know what? A lot of life is wrong place, wrong time, and that's you know it happens. Not everything has to be perfectly, uh, uh, perfectly, you know, synchronized and perfectly, uh, you know, step one leads to step two, leads to step three. Sometimes step three just happens and it has nothing to do with step one. And that's what happened to nobody. Um, big recommend, big thumbs up, uh, mainly because of how much I love Bob Odenkirk, but also just the action was fun. It was fun. Like you see at the end, Christopher Lloyd with shotguns and they don't get, they don't get hit at all. I mean, he doesn't get hit at all. And I'm okay with that. You turn, there's the bad guy, shoot him dead. I'm fine with that. This isn't a documentary. This is a fun movie. And I had fun watching it. And I enjoyed it. Woo, what a happy half day. I mean, I'm done with this. It's 3.15 and I'm already done with my movie and I'm done talking about my podcast. Now, it should be later. by the. It, it's absolutely later by the time you hear this because that's how time works. But what I'm saying is I am done talking about it for the day and I am pleased as punch. I turned my ringer off, so my wife was getting out of work. She might be, uh, she might be calling me right now. You know what? Let's check it live. Oh, I have two missed calls. Uh oh, uh oh. I better go hide like nobody. All right, I need to call her back right now. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. The Facebook page is Fans Not Experts. The website is FansNotExperts.com. This is day 17, and here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it. And I think you should listen and subscribe. Cause I'm kind of funny and awesome I think that I'm worth your time And I'm kind of handsome My mom says Please listen and Please subscribe At least listen to this episode That's not experts